Know Your Food with Warty, episode 115. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 115. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalfglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Going to jump right into the tip of the week before my special guest today. And the tip of the week is gardening for butterflies. Don't you love butterflies? I sure do. Well, a beautiful garden can attract a number of visitors to your yard, bees, birds, but the most exquisite of them all is perhaps butterflies. And chances are you already have a number of butterfly attracting plants in your garden, Here's the benefits that butterflies themselves bring to your garden. Butterflies, like bees, are attracted to nectar, and they travel from flower to flower, pollinating the plants and helping your plants to reproduce and develop further. And these same plants that attract butterflies are going to attract bees, so that's a plus in any garden. And butterflies and butterfly larvae also provide food for a host of birds, mammals, and lizards that keep your garden pest-free. And the thing that probably can't be measured is just the tranquility, the beauty, the joy, the peace you get from observing butterflies in your garden. Um, I treasure it when I see them. Well, at knowyourfoodpodcast.com butterflies, Jenny has four tips for you on creating a butterfly garden. She shared these on the Traditional Cooking School blog recently. Here's one tip, tip number one, for creating a butterfly garden, and that is to incorporate butterfly-friendly plants into your existing vegetable garden. So don't just plant a collection of flowers in a corner of your yard and say, that's my butterfly garden. You can do that too. But instead, or let's say in addition, take advantage of concepts like companion planting and intersperse vegetables with flowers in your garden and the landscape you've already created. Personally, me, when I'm putting in the vegetable garden, I will gather... Well, I'm a creature of habit, so I get zinnias, uh, marigolds, and nasturtiums. And I just plant those in corners of virtually every, um, every bed in our garden. So, you know, whatever's growing, there's going to be a flower there in the corner. Um, and it's lovely for all of us to enjoy. It has that beauty and that color. Um, and it's wonderful for the pollinating um, insects as well especially butterflies. So try that. And also to see three more tips on creating a butterfly garden, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash butterflies. Let's take a quick break and then I'll be back to introduce you to my guest. Hi, I'm Wardy, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at ganalfglins.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. 
I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at a glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com free today. Hey everyone, I am so excited to bring you my guest today, Suzanne Gross. She is a longtime friend through the internet. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and three children. And for as long as she can remember, she has loved books and music and has written numerous stories, poems, and songs. Cooking became one of her passions when she realized it was a necessary skill to have in order to keep her family healthy. She holds a bachelor's degree in library and information science, and at one time, was planning to become a school librarian. She still thinks being a librarian or a teacher would be one of the best jobs in the world, second only to being a mom, of course. And this is why she's with me today. She is the author of the brand new Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children, and I am so excited to share it with you. It is a gorgeous, lovely book with beautiful illustrations that you and, most importantly, your children will love. So visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 115, and leave a comment with what most excites you about this book, and we are going to give away three copies. So we'll round that up in about a week from now, today, or when you're listening to this today, is um, May 29th, so you have about one week, so till next Friday. Um, to get in on this. So leave your comment and then we'll select a winner and let you know. And then Suzanne will send you your own copy of this book. All right. So I'll see you at the show notes. And here is my visit with Suzanne. Hey, everyone. I am here with Suzanne Gross. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Wardy. Thanks so much for joining me. This is a really big moment um, because we are celebrating your book, The Nourishing Traditions Am I getting the title right? Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children. Yes. Yes. Oh, and it's beautiful. And we're going to talk all about it. But first, I want everyone to get to know you. So if you could tell us about you and your family, uh, let's start with that. Okay. Um, I have three kids. Ariella, she just turned six. Uh, Natalie just turned four. And then baby Ethan or a baby boy who's one and a half. Wonderful. And, um, we live, we live in California in Los Angeles, um, in a condo in the big city. Uh, and it's not, it's not the place I wish we lived. <laughs> I wish we lived on a farm and had chickens and a, and a cow. That's, that's my dream, but, mm -hmm. um, that's where we are right now. And, um, but luckily, um, I'm teaching them about where our food comes from. And, and you can do that anywhere. Yeah, you can do that anywhere. That's right. And um, my girls really want want to have pets. And um, so we've been talking about getting chickens someday. Hmm. So <laughs> For now, they probably have pets that are in jars in the kitchen, right? Like kombucha scobies and things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So I, I told everyone already, but you are a librarian and you know a lot of information science. Library and information science was your, your degree and you were at one time planning to be a school librarian. So what, what happened to that plan? And Well, it, yeah, I kind of got 
put on hold. Well, to be a librarian, you need to have your master's. I don't have my master's yet. So I have my bachelor's. Um, so I was working towards that. And then when I got married, you know, I, I decided not to continue with school. Um, I just did web design for a while. That's what I was doing mm -hmm. because my degree had a lot of background in that. I took some web design courses with my degree. So I was able to, to do that for a while. And then when my kids came along, I just, you know, decided I wanted to be a full-time mom and, and just be with them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of how it just got, got put on the back burner, got put on hold. But um, I do hope someday to continue with that. And I think it's a fabulous match of um, the path you were pursuing and what you've currently accomplished with this book because the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children is such a wonderful resource for educating our children about where food comes from, nutrient-dense, the traditions of our ancestors and all of that. So even if you... I just don't see that you really changed course. It just sort of grew yeah. and took a different direction. Yeah, that's true. It did. Yeah. And yeah, we'll see, see where it goes from here. I've, I've been trying to think how I can, um, you know, from this book, what can I, what can I do with it more, um, to make either a website or just more resources for parents that mm -hmm. they need to cook with their children. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd be really interested actually to hear from people after they read this book, what they feel would help them to teach their children. Cause I love, I love how you do, you know, the tutorials with the videos. I think that's so helpful to see someone else doing the recipes. Mm -hmm. It really helped me when I was first starting with uh, nourishing traditions, it really kind of helped bring the recipes alive for me and, and helped me to do them. So um, I don't know if this book will be enough, the book that I've done, if that will be enough just having the illustrations or if maybe parents and their kids would like to sit down and watch a video and see the recipes being done first. So that's kind of something that I'm thinking mm -hmm. about doing if there's a need for it. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Well, I, I you were just talking and I, my mind was firing. I had about 10 thing, ten directions I wanted to go with everything you said, but okay, I'm going to uh, rein myself back in. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning of your food journey. So you mentioned nourishing traditions, and by the way, I just think it's so cool that your book is one of the nourishing traditions line, <laughs> so congratulations on that. But let's go back to uh, your story, and I don't know, I don't know it, so I'm going to be surprised here. Okay. Um, where did your love for nourishing food start? How did it come about? Um, well, it started with my teeth. Um, I've always had bad teeth for as long as I can remember, you know, since I was little, had lots of cavities, root canals. I probably have about eight crowns in my mouth. Um, so yeah, I just, I have bad teeth and I used to think it was genetic. I just thought that was the way it was. And I would have to have that bad teeth for the rest of my life. And um, so after my first daughter was born, because um, sometimes with pregnancies, your teeth really take a downturn. And mine did. They got even worse after I was pregnant with Ariella. And uh, so a really good friend of mine um, shared with me a book 
Um, you probably know it, the Pure Tooth Decay book. Yep. And so I read, I read that book, and um, that's what led me to Nourishing Traditions. And so I, I was just, my eyes were just totally opened. I had never thought that what I was eating was affecting my teeth or making them more or less prone to decay. And um, so once I saw that, that connection, I just, I wanted to completely change my diet. I wanted to see, could I, could I stop this decay? Could I reverse it? And um, so that was my start. And then, but then with my kids, I started thinking of them and, um, you know, wanting to give them a better start than what I had in life, you know, so that they wouldn't have to grow up with cavities or, or grow up with any of the other um, illnesses and sicknesses that so many children mm-hmm. suffer with these days. And so now my focus, my teeth are, are fine now, by the way. Um, I haven't been to the dentist. I just had one old filling that fell out the other day. So I had to go to the dentist um, to get that one replaced. Hmm. Um but everything else was fine. So my teeth are doing so much better. And it's only been about um, four or five years that I've been following the diet. And so it's amazing. That is and- amazing. I mean, it's just what you said. It's so hard. Your eyes were open. So hard to believe that food <laughs> could do that. It's so yeah. simple and it's so powerful. The right fuel for our bodies. If we don't have it. We break down and decay, and your teeth were doing that. If we have the right nutrients, we flourish. Right. Amazing. So you wrote the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Children, um, and I have flipped through it. It's beautiful. I just can't wait for everyone else to have it (laughs) and touch it. Um, It obviously comes out of a deep love for food, family, children, education. So before we talk about the book, I'd like to talk about where you're coming from and how you feel about children and cooking with them and educating them and just dive a little bit deeper into um, your thoughts and feelings about that. Yeah. um, Well, I I really liked when you had um, Jamie join you and you did that whole course on on cooking with children because... That was really inspiring to me. I mean, I I always knew that it was important for them to learn um, how to cook. Mm-hmm. But um, I think when you realize that it's so um, important for their health, that it becomes there's just a deeper a deeper reason for it. Um, it just becomes like a very important life skill as important as learning how to read or to write or doing mathematics. And, um, I really wish that schools would, would realize how important it is to learn, to learn how to cook food because it affects everything else in your life. Because if you, if you're struggling with an illness, that's going to take, you know, most of your time and energy is to, recover from that illness. And if you can avoid that by eating better food, then that just opens up your life to so many other possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so that's just, that's something that I want to give to my children is the gift 
of knowing how to prepare healthy foods so that they can live long, healthy, fulfilling lives. And so they're with you on this journey. They've seen, I mean, they're young, but they've seen you go through it. They've seen you experience real food and sourcing good food and knowing where food comes from. I'm curious what some of their reactions have been, um, like things they've said or looks in their eyes or um, how they react to a certain dish. Could you share any of those <laughs> things with us? Yeah, they, well, yeah, they were so young that they don't really know any different. Mm-hmm. Definitely grown up with it. Um trying to remember if we ever tried anything they thought was weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, just tell us, tell us um, how they interact with their food. Is it just every day to them or, or are they overcome sometimes like, mom, that's so good. Can I have more? Just, I'd, oh. <laughs> I'd like, I'd like a little peek. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm surprised at how much they love to eat butter and like really fatty, rich things. Because I remember as a child that I wouldn't even put butter on my bread. Hmm. I just wanted something sweet on it, like jam or honey or, and I, I wouldn't even put butter on it. And so I just love seeing them like slather a big slab of butter on their bread. <laughs> it's just, it, it makes me feel so great inside to see that. Um, and so I, I, I don't know where that comes from. I guess it's just because I raised them that way from babies that they have an appetite for those good fats. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was kind of, I mean, my mom fed me pretty healthy. It was mostly a vegetarian diet, but um, probably more on the low fat side. But yeah, I, I never had that um, craving for, for butter and healthy fats as a child. Mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of a a taste a taste that you get when you're fed that way from very young. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd say so. I'm I'm like you. I grew up uh, not 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 eating the fats, and I, in fact, when I I really bought the low fat thing in my um, high school college years. But even prior to that, what I wanted was white bread with jam or honey, just like you. And I distinctly remember my fourth grade teacher, who was a large, unhealthy man. And in the lunchroom, he would have a tray. And I think there was probably like eight slices of white bread. And you know, those, those pre-sliced packets of butter that you get in restaurants and things. Uh-huh. And he would have it heaped up with um, uh, uh, gobs of them. <laughs> so, you know, we're eating school lunch fair, and he's got a tray of white bread and butter. <laughs> and it was about as processed as you can get. And I, I don't know. I always felt like, like maybe my aversion... <laughs> to it came from that maybe I mean if I was really going to analyze it of course I've totally changed now I'm like your children I mean give me a whole avocado (laughs) you eat the whole thing (laughs) so good all right well that was a wonderful peek so let's talk about the book I'd love to know how it came about I mean you your experience with nourishing traditions was life-changing in terms of your tooth decay 
and just completely changed your life and the way you, you raise your family and you take care of yourself. And now here you are, you wrote a book in the Nourishing Traditions line. So um, was it your idea? You took it to Sally or yeah. I, I just want to know how it happened. Okay. Um, it started in a library, actually. Um, I was at the library with um, my daughter, Ariella, when she was about a year old. And um, she was just looking at the picture books. And I, there were some books out on the um, table that someone else had been looking at. They just left there. And one of them was a cookbook for children. So I started paging through it. And um, I, had all, I was already a little familiar with nourishing traditions at this time, but I wasn't deep into it yet. Um, but I was kind of looking at it and thinking, oh, you know, there's some good recipes in here, but then there'd be some that are just like, I would never make that with my daughter because it was just so unhealthy. It was just loaded with sugar and white flour. And, and it, it, then it, it got me thinking like that I, I, I don't know if I thought that I should make it at first, but I thought there should be a cookbook that's, you know, with all healthy recipes that would be kind of like nourishing traditions. So this was just an idea in my mind for a while. And I was kind of searching for something, but I couldn't find anything. And um, so I finally contacted Sally and um, told her about my idea and asked her if she would be interested, if I wrote it, if she would be interested in publishing it. Hmm. And she said yes. And I was, <laughs> wow. I was really shocked, actually, that um, you know, she didn't even ask, well, who are you? What's your background? Or, you know, she didn't ask to see if, if I had written any previous books or so she put a lot of faith in me, not really knowing who I was. Um, she did ask me to write the first chapter though. Right. I, I made one chapter for her. She reviewed that. She thought it was great. And we went forward with the rest of the book. I, I have two things to say about that. I mean, one is congratulations again, but number two is, you don't have, none of us have anything to lose by just asking mm-hmm. <laughs> and putting ourselves out there. And that was very bold and courageous of you. And Sally said yes. And I want to tell everyone who's listening, we're talking about Sally Fallon Morrell, who's the, should we say, president of Weston A. Price Foundation? Yes, I believe she's the president. Yes. And she came out with Nourishing Traditions that wonderful book that got so many of us started with traditional foods, opened our eyes, changed our lives, changed our families. Um, So congratulations, Suzanne. Thank you. So I want to talk about the illustrations in the book. Um, Let me tell everybody, the book is beautiful. I've said it many times, but I mean, honestly, this is a gorgeous book, and every page is going to be fun for your children because... There's illustrations throughout of everything that you would want to see, your children would want to see visually is there. There's um, diagrams. Every recipe is simple and laid out very visually appealing so that children can follow them step by step and know exactly what they're doing. And it's not, I'm going out on a limb here, but I don't think the intention, Suzanne, you can say if I'm correct or not. The intention is not for, to hand it to your children and then have them go do it by themselves. I mean, it's meant for families to experience together, children to learn, and eventually, 
have ownership of their cooking and their interaction with real food. Right. But this is a real beautiful family experience with the intention of having our children learn. And the illustrations are just incredible. So I'd like you to talk to us about who did them and the um, your vision behind them and maybe some iterations of the process if that comes into the explanation. Just give us more, more of the backstory on the beautiful illustrations. Yeah, they're um, by Angela Eisenbart. And um, she's um, she did some of the illustrations on the cover of the Wise Traditions uh, journal. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I don't know her very well. Um, I mean, we've gotten to know each other through this project, but I did not know her before then. Um, Sally, Sally found her for, to do the illustrations for the book. And, um, but yeah, I, I can't really take any credit. She, she did the whole layout for the book as well. So she took the illustrations and um, she designed um, the layout for every single recipe, putting those illustrations in. And she, yeah, she did an amazing job. And I, I hardly had to do anything. So she just really, um, really took, took that part of the, the book over and she did a great job with it. Well, and I don't want to minimize your part either. You say you didn't do anything. However, the artistry and the planning behind the recipes you include, I mean, they had to be simple and they had to be able to make visually appealing. And so when you combine your creativity and the illustrator's creativity, you just have this wonderful package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the illustrations are just one part of the format of the book. I've already mentioned this, but as I'm looking at it, it's simple, it's visual. I also love the fun names. And the ones that stood out to me the most were in the um, vegetables chapter, like the bright broccoli, the asparagus brushes, the carrot coins. So I can just see kids just really loving what they're making because it's so much more than carrots or asparagus. I mean, they're making fun things and... um, I just want to congratulate you on that. I and I'm. I would like to know. I mean, the book has um, eleven chapters. Yes. And you cover all kind of f- food groups. Kind of. You there's a lot of food groups like milk, um, yeah. vegetables. Decided, decided not to group most cookbooks. You know, will group things like into breakfast, yeah, dinner. We. We wanted to do it more with the food groups um, to focus on those food groups that are the most nourishing. So that's why we started out with eggs and milk and butter so that the focus really goes right away to these are the food groups you need to be focusing on getting more of in your children's diet. And I love that. I'm so glad you explained that. That was going to be one of my questions was why did you choose that route? And so your reason is you wanted to focus on the groups because their powerful nutrition, the, the power of the food is not in that it's a main dish. It's that it's an eggs or butter or meat or vegetables. Right. Right. So um, what was your favorite? If you had a favorite section that you enjoyed putting together, what was it and why? Um, probably the Soak Sour Sprout chapter. Which I, I loved the title on that one. <laughs> that one was fun for me. Um, 
I'm not really sure. I guess because it was kind of a challenge. Um, I think that's why I enjoyed it because it was a difficult, I think it was the most difficult to explain to children why Mm -hmm. grains need to be soaked or sprouted or, and how sourdough works and all of that. So there was a lot, a lot to explain, a lot of educational um, parts to that chapter, but I was able to figure out a way to do it um, that I think will be fun for children and that they'll be able to understand. So is there, is that something you could share right now? Like how did you explain sourdough in the book? Oh, um, yeah, I, I made sourdough into almost like a pet, like you were saying, <laughs> just reason <laughs> sourdough starters. Yeah. So I, I said they could give their sourdough starter a name and we, I, you know, talked about how it grows and that you need to feed it. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's how I explained the sourdough starter as being kind of like a pet that you need to take care of. Wonderful. So just because I don't want these to get lost in my brief mention of the different chapters, but you've got wonderful things like super snacks, the secrets in the soup, vibrant vegetables, um, butter is better, um, friendly ferments. There's even a desserts and where where you cover the different kinds of natural sweeteners and the, and the talk about, I think you mentioned something about being balanced and not, not having a lot of them and why. And uh, it's just a great nutrition course as well as an, an exercise to develop practice. Because our, our kids, we can take them to farms, and that's wonderful, and we can tell them where food comes from. The, the other step is for them actually to interact with it and make things. So this book is going to be a great resource so that your kids can put in the time to learn the how and the why of what they're doing. Yes. Yes, that's what, that's what I'm hoping, that it will get more people um, in the kitchen with their children. I know, I know it's hard. I mean, there's, there's sometimes when I'm so tired and I know I just have to get dinner on the table. And I don't always have my kids cook with me. I try to do it when we're not in a hurry or when Mm -hmm. I'm not super tired. Um, because if I try to do it during those times when I'm tired or in a hurry, it just easily ends up a chaotic mess. So, (laughs) so I try to do it when we have time and when I can really focus on with them and then it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun to cook with them during those times. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, you can't you can't do it all the time, but as much as you can, it 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 really is is great for them to have that experience with you. Right, and my experience in our family has been that not all the not all the kids love to cook as much as the others, and the ones that love to cook they have different reasons. <laughs> so. <laughs> You kind of learn that as you cook with your children and some of them want to keep cooking with you and some of them, you know, may develop other passions and you want to listen to your children's um, kind of inclinations that way. That's what we have done. However, they've all had the experience of cooking with us and learning their food and it's been wonderful for us. And I have a son who his thing now is the kombucha and his thing is also when when I'm alone in the kitchen, he's all about the relationship and I don't want mom to be alone. And so he'll come in the kitchen. How can I help? You know, oh. what can I do? 
and and so cooking for him is time together. And then our oldest daughter, who has the most responsibilities in the kitchen, um, her she just likes to be good at be good at whatever she does, and it's her responsibility, and she is committed to it, and she loves desserts. So her thing is she has become a cookie master, and she's got this collection of recipes that just they're the best. <laughs> so now she's taken over the dessert, <laughs> dessert cooking. Um, so it's been wonderful for that all to develop over the years. So Suzanne, before we go here, I just want to ask you kind of an open-ended question at the end, which is what is your hope for this book? What do you hope this book will do for families and for children? I hope that um, it will lead to a generation of children that will be much healthier than the generation we have now. Um, I just hear so many stories and even people that I know, um, just their kids suffering so much from, you know, allergies or, you know, having to put them on these super restricted diets um, where they can't eat any dairy or they can't eat any bread or grains. And um, it's, it's so hard. It's such a burden for the families. And... So I just really hope that um, we can raise up the generation now to know better, and to know what's good for them, that the children after them are going to be much healthier. And that's, that's my hope for it for the long term. And I guess for, this, for the short term that it'll just bring um, healing to a lot of families and that it'll bring families closer together as food. Food really does that. It really has the power to bring to bring families together. Wonderful. I hope that as well. So we are going to wrap up now. Um, Suzanne, though, and uh, Sally are offering three copies of the Nourishing Traditions Cookbook for Kids to Know Your Food with Warty listeners and traditional cooking school readers. So to get in on that, you want to visit the show notes for this episode, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 115, Leave a comment saying what most interests you about the book. And then in a week from now, we will draw names and contact you if you've won. Um, So you can give us your address, and then we'll have Suzanne ship those to you. So once again, the show notes are at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 115. If you want to check out the book directly on Amazon, here is an easy link for you. knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash ntkids, where ntkids is one word. Thanks, everyone, and thanks so much, Suzanne, and congratulations. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, just type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air. So go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. While you're there, 
please do leave a rating or review. I love to get them, love to read your comments, and they're invaluable to help other people find this podcast. Thank you so much.